Hello, this is Pastor John Willingham of Doylestown Presbyterian Church. It's clearer these days, it's tough to make time. Schedules quickly become busy and calendars suddenly become full. To that end, DPC is excited to now offer this podcast channel, which will allow you to hear a recording of Sunday's sermon from that day's preacher. Whether you listen while taking an evening stroll, driving to and from the grocery store, or anytime you get a free couple of minutes, we hope it can allow for reflection and spiritual growth during your week. We also invite you to visit www.dtownpc.org to learn more about our church, our various ministries, and online giving opportunities. Thank you for tuning in. Among all the storylines of the Summer Olympics, few grabbed my attention more than the drama involving Simone Biles. That 24-year-old gymnast came to these games already having won five Olympic medals, already regarded as the greatest of all time in her sport, and thus the expectation was that she would simply add to her legacy over the course of those weeks. And she did, but not in a way anyone had anticipated. It began two weeks ago when after an uncharacteristically flawed vault performance, she withdrew from the team competition. In the days that followed, she made the same decision about the individual all-around competition and particular events, single events too. And initially it was explained as being the result of something called the twisties, a term that gymnasts use to describe those unexpected moments when they're in the air and suddenly their mind can't really gauge where their body is. Her decision to suspend competing was a wise one due to the potential danger it meant for her had she continued. And yet what became clear as the days unfolded is that she'd also been struggling with issues of mental health. As someone who really only pays attention to, the, to gymnastics during the Olympics, I really had to learn a lot more about what had been going on. And I learned of how enraged she had been against USA Gymnastics and the American Olympic team for their failure to protect her and countless other athletes from a doctor who had been a serial abuser I learned of how she had openly acknowledged a struggle over the years with depression. And then I heard of a particularly bold move she made with a piece of pizza. I first learned about that event through an article by a journalist named Alyssa Runick, who writes for ESPN. And she describes how in the days before, Biles led the U.S. team to Olympic gold in Rio, so now five years earlier, that she had posted on Instagram a photo of herself eating a greasy piece of pepperoni pizza. And with the photo, she had had the caption, happiness, and added all kinds of emojis to it. 
In writing about that step, Roenig said, this post registered more than 100,000 likes. But most people who scrolled by it likely registered it as nothing more than a teenager oversharing her lunch. For generations of former gymnasts, however, that post was bold. In their experiences, gymnasts were not supposed to talk or think about junk food or vacations or boyfriends have lives outside of their gym or opinions they revealed in public spaces. The fear and control that surrounded the sport perpetuated silence and conformity, even for those whose leotards had long since collected dust. Rodnick continued. During my reporting for the 30 for 30 podcast series, Heavy Metals, More than one former Olympian brought up this post unprompted as a sign of a long overdue shift. It was defiant in its teenage mundanity, proof that Biles would not be folded and molded to fit the pretty box of a gymnast whose life was curated and controlled from morning till midnight. Hearing all of those pieces of background, it actually should have been no surprise that her struggles gained such a public face. We might even say the handwriting had been on the wall, an expression that speaks of moments when building events suggest that something unfortunate is about to happen, and a phrase in our language that originates with the Old Testament scene that we read moments ago. It describes a day when there's a new king in Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar has died, and Belshazzar has become sovereign. Shortly after taking the throne, he throws this massive party where the wine is flowing freely. And we're told that it is while he is under its influence that he orders some particular silver cups, silver and gold cups to be brought out. These particular vessels had been captured by Nebuchadnezzar from the furnishings of the temple in Jerusalem when the Babylonian forces had overrun Judah all those years before. Nebuchadnezzar had kept those vessels in the temple treasury as a way of reminding the Jewish people that they were under his power. And yet, despite all of his shortcomings, Nebuchadnezzar had never done what Belshazzar did. For in this moment, He orders those sacred items to the Jews brought out and for people to begin drinking from them. And we're told that they drank wine from them and they began to praise the gods of gold and silver and bronze and wood. And the response from heaven was immediate. As the scene shifts, to describing this moment when a human hand appears on the wall. 
and starts writing on the plaster of the palace wall, just above the lampstand, we are told. We aren't really informed whether other people in the room can see the hand, but Belshazzar certainly can. For we're given a description of his physical reaction to it, of his face turning pale, of his limbs growing weak, of his knees beginning to shake and knock, and of terror in his mind. He calls in so-called royal experts who are on staff to be able to solve mysteries like this. He promises them all kinds of rewards if they can help, but they are unable to do so. And it is then that the queen or the queen mother learns what is going on and comes in and says, don't let your thoughts terrify you. There is this man who has the spirit of the gods. She goes on to describe how this man had helped out Nebuchadnezzar in the past and had been promoted. And of course, she's talking about Daniel. And so she encourages Belshazzar to call in that Jewish exile with the hope that he can help. And as we'll see next Sunday, the king follows that advice. Daniel comes in and, in fact, is able to deliver the message. This scene really fits a pattern that we have already noticed this summer in this worship series of times when a sovereign of Babylon has some distressing event that troubles him. He is unable to understand what is happening, and so he brings in the royal officials and gives them first opportunity to solve it, and they're unable to do that. Someone then comes in and tells the king about this Jewish man named Daniel who has shown the ability to help in such circumstances. And the king brings in the exile who delivers the interpretation, even when it is not something the king would want to hear. And thus, like the scenes that we have witnessed before this summer, this moment too lifts up those times when there is courage required to speak words that others may not want to hear. Our New Testament reading tells us of another moment like that involving the life of Stephen, one of the very first deacons in the early church. Prior to our passage, Daniel has been, not Daniel, but Stephen has been brought before the Jewish council, the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem, on trumped-up charges. They say that he has been speaking blasphemy against God, but what's really happening is the synagogue leaders are getting nervous because people are beginning to respond to the good news of Jesus that Stephen is sharing. And so throughout the chapter that our passage is part of, he goes through this long explanation before the council recounting Jewish history. He goes back and talks about Abraham and Joseph, Moses and Solomon. He uses it as an example of times God has always provided the leadership needed and how always ancestors in the faith have chosen to ignore it. And so just prior to our passage, he, he says to them, 
You are forever opposing the Holy Spirit, just as your ancestors used to do. You are the ones who received the law as ordained by angels, and yet you have not kept it. Our passage begins at that moment. As we're told, the crowd of leaders is enraged. They grind their teeth. Stephen is given this kind of vision of what awaits him as he says, I see the heavens parted and the Son of Man standing next to God. And at that point, we are told that the people hearing these words covered their ears. They rush up and take Stephen and drag him outside and begin to stone him and soon... Stephen breathes his last, becoming the first Christian martyr. Sometimes it takes courage to speak the truth. It's not only in matters of the past, and it's not only when it comes to affirmations of what God wants us to know. And instead, it's the kind of situation that we can experience in the fullness of life. As the story is told of a meeting that was being held among a sales team for a dog food company. The sales manager begins the meeting and it soon has this kind of feel of a pep rally as he says to the salespeople, which company sells the most nutritious dog food in the world? And with one voice, they respond with the name of their firm. And which company has the best marketing plan, he says, of any dog food company? And again, they respond with the name of their firm. And which company, he says, has the best benefits program and the best incentive program for its salespeople? And once again, they respond with the name expected. Given all that, the sales manager says, how come we are not the best-selling dog food company in the world? And there is silence until one salesperson says, it's because the dogs don't like it. (laughs) Sometimes it takes courage to speak the truth. And when you and I are on the receiving end of such moments, it is also an opportunity for us to listen closely, to learn more of what is happening with that person and to then walk with them as they move ahead. And it is that pattern that brings us back to Simone Biles as her Olympic competition drew to a close. For as after withdrawing from those events, she received a lot of criticism online and in the media, along with words of encouragement and support. At every subsequent event, you could see her cheering on her teammates as they were competing. She would post over the course of the coming days 
updates about what she was doing and her own progress. What wasn't known really until the end, though, was that she was continuing to train and that she had found a gym just outside of Tokyo where she was practicing her routine on the balance beam. And she adjusted it from what she had planned to do. She took out some of the riskier aerial components and then she apparently chose to use some kind of landing that she hadn't practiced in 10 years. And only after all of that seemed to be coming together did she announce that she would compete in the balance beam, the final event for women's gymnastics. That happened on Tuesday of this past week. And another journalist described what occurred. Opting into the balance beam competition offered a nice dramatic touch, Jason Gay wrote. Not only was it Biles' last chance at a medal, it was a goal that eluded her in Rio five summers earlier. Honestly, it was more than enough to see her out there. She was not the favorite, but just getting back on the beam felt like a powerful statement. Here was the Simone Biles we knew. Her performance shined, he says, as it almost always does, but it was not flawless. Biles modified her dismount, avoided any trouble, and wound up in third position. Better yet, she seemed calm, maybe not 100% confident, but clearly improved. Biles looked like someone who knows that her legacy in her sport is secure. Her bronze, which matched her beam bronze in Rio, ties her with Shannon Miller for most medals by a woman gymnast in Olympic history. Her impact is far broader now, Gay concluded. In her vulnerability, Miles has elevated a conversation long avoided about treating mental health like we treat physical health. In her candor, she offered courage to struggling people without her power or platform. The superhero gave way to a human being. That's what will be remembered. Simone Biles came to Tokyo and had an Olympics unlike anyone expected. On her way out, she stuck the landing. Pizza and a balance beam. Enduring images from choices by a brave young woman who offered encouragement and a way for us to help countless others. If only we listen closely when other people speak courageous words to us. Let us pray. We give thanks, O oh God, for those moments when others find the strength to speak the words that need to be proclaimed. We pray that you will guide us in those moments when we are the one listening to offer support and encouragement 
and to grow with them in finding the path forward. We thank you for the ways that you have created us to be in relationship and for those moments when you provide the strength to speak just the word that is needed. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us on your journey of faith. Don't forget to check out www.dtownpc.org to explore all the ways DPC strives to be a bridge for Christ and a beacon of his love.